Thank you, thank you, thank you, Laura. All right, I love it when you do announcements because you remember all the details. Laura and I make a good team. I'm big picture and she remembers the details. She's great about that. Worship team, that was awesome. Awesome this morning. You really, really blessed my heart. Um, I don't know, that word Cammy gave last week, Butler, about uh, dancing struck me all of a sudden when I was standing over there. I don't usually do that. I was like, well, all right, Daddy, here we go. Let's see how this works out, right? But um, we love the creativity of God. We love the freedom of the Lord, and we love um, opportunities here at Shekinah to go into the next things of God, right? We're always encouraging people, what's that next thing God wants you to do? Try it, right? Kind of like uh, they were saying a little bit earlier, Jackie, I loved what, how you contextualize that. And if you're doing something we don't understand, it, just let us know what Jesus is telling you, Right? We always tell the story about John Arnott and the Toronto Revival, and he said, you know, I was worshiping, and this lady started clucking like a chicken. She's playing bass and just standing on the, st the stage clucking like a chicken. We were like, what the heck is going on? And I was going to tell her to stop, and Holy Spirit said, no, go ask her what she's doing. So he goes up there, and he asks her, what she he asks her you know, why are you clucking like a chicken? She goes, Daddy's saying, wake up, church, wake up, church, wake up, it's time to wake up. And thank God he took the time to ask and didn't just shut her down, right? So sometimes it takes a minute to learn how to bring those words forth. But um, it's really important that we don't shut people down. We make room for that. All right, tell your neighbor, I'm glad you're here. Get ready to receive something good. God loves you so much, and so do we. Um, we got back pretty late from the revival yesterday. Like Laura said, it was fantastic. I know Holly was with us. Um, the First Nations people are so calm. I'm kind of a spaz. Those of you that know me, I can say that about myself because I'm talking about me. Matt's nodding his head. He knows I'm a spaz. That's the way it got made me. I'm a pioneer. That's what I do. I, I, I clean up roads. I bulldoze new paths. That's how I am. So to be amidst a people with such meekness and calmness, is, it, it was so humbling. I thought, could you please lay hands on me? <laughs> and the Lord said, celebrate who I made you to be. You can still get an impartation, but celebrate who I made you to be. I tend to be bold and warrior, breaker, anointing type, right? And I think they were blessed by that, but I was so blessed by them. The meekness and the calmness and the gentleness that they displayed, it really ministered to my heart, really ministered to my heart. So we got home probably, what, you guys, 1.30 last night? Lord Jesus, I was sha-da-da-da-da. I'm going to take my shower tonight and ask Jesus what we're saying in the morning. <laughs> I know. Yeah, it was low-functioning level. But it was such an impartation. And um, so this morning I'm like, Father, what do you, what do you want to talk about? And it was reminding me of a situation over the last couple of weeks that I had where um, how many of you have noticed the tension in the air? Okay, there's a tension in the air. How many of you feel the press to get irritated or frustrated a little bit faster, right? Okay, you feel that pressing on your flesh, right? That's going on. We know that's going on. So um, some of you know we've been praying for my husband the last eight months. It's been one of the most difficult trials in my life, one of the most difficult seasons of my life. His daddy died, and he just has not been well since. 214 answered prayers as of today, visions, dreams, whatever. Still persevering, still hoping, still waiting. So my tank is low. Uh, getting into the presence every day, God's grace is sufficient, amen? So he fills me up. Um, but with that press and the personal press and the different things going on, <laughs> I had a moment. <laughs> okay, let's just be honest. I had a moment the last couple of weeks. 
And um, I think what it was for me, it was an issue for me of not setting a specific boundary that I needed to be refilled, and I was trying to be kind. Um, and when I didn't set that boundary, I knew I didn't have enough oil, but I didn't want to hurt the person, right? Have you ever done that? You're like, oh, I really want to be nice, but I probably shouldn't have let you in because I'm not in a place to, yeah, exactly, bam, bam. So I, I did the bam, 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 and quickly repented and decided I'm, it's best that I remain silent the rest of this hour. And I was like, Father, oh, what is wrong with me? Like, what is going on? Why is this bothering me so much? Why am I so upset, right? How do I help this particular individual in this particular area grow? I, I know I love this person. I know part of it's me, right? Like I'm being pressed right now on a personal level. I'm being pressed on a professional level. My tent pegs are being extended because I'm moving into government, right? I've already been working with the church. We're already doing the seven spheres of influence piece. He's moving us into the first nation. So most of that's normal for me, right? The apostolic part of me, no big deal. No big deal, right? But because of the stuff that's going on in my personal life, I think I was just a little shorter than usual. And I was like, how, how did we get here, right? So I'm having this conversation with the Lord this morning. He said, oh, I'm going to tell you <laughs> how you got there. Are you ready to listen? Sir, yes, sir. I want to know, right? Because we're coming into an hour and into an age in the church when the harvest, this last great harvest that's coming, and they're really wounded, so the press that's on us right now, the enemy is quite frankly pressing in on the corporate church because he knows he's losing ground. He's making his last ditch effort to get his final hits in, especially on those that are called to lead, especially on those in the church specifically, because he's hoping that we'll give up. He's hoping that we'll quit. He's hoping that we'll be a bad witness. He's hoping that we'll stop loving people. He's hoping that our hearts will get hard and we'll just withdraw and isolate ourselves and say, that's enough. I can't do this anymore. It's just going to be me, myself, and I in my cave. Jesus, you and me are good, but all these other folk, I just don't know how I'm going to handle it. So I'd had that one situation, which, you know, I'm confessing I did not handle well. And I confess to the individual, too, you know. It was one of those situations where they know your heart, you know their heart, and you're just like, I totally missed it. I love you. I love you, too. I still need a break. Me, too. Okay, we'll catch you later. <laughs> right? And I was texting another friend of mine who I dearly, dearly love. And uh, we share different views on the kingdom. And this individual is very passionate about very specific things politically. And um, I stand with this individual a lot on a lot of different issues. And... He just kept texting me stuff. It was like stab, 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 stab. And Father God said, tell him you love him. And I did, and I did. And this has been going on for six months. And yesterday, I was just in a way. Was it the day before yesterday? I guess it was two days ago. Same day this other thing happened. And I'm like, I'm seriously concerned for you. It was like I couldn't be quiet anymore. I couldn't not say what I was seeing. I couldn't not love the individual. I couldn't not speak the truth. And I was like, Father, help me to speak it with love, right? We speak the truth in love. The law came through Moses. That's where you beat people down with the truth, right? But grace and truth comes through Jesus Christ. So how do I give this individual grace? And I had been for the last six months. But I also needed to say some truth, and I just couldn't not say it anymore. And I said, so-and-so, I love you so much. I feel like no matter what I say, no matter how I stand with you, no matter how I agree with you, no matter what I do to use my sphere of influence to address the very issues you're discussing, you hate me, 
because of what I look like. I said, and it hurts. You're hurting me. And I love you, and I'm okay, and I'm going to stand with you no matter what. I'm going to continue to stand with you. I admire you. You're one of the most intelligent, well-spoken men I know. But I don't understand, and I'm concerned that your bitterness and your anger and your frustration is going to eventually kill you because this particular friend had an issue with his heart and his arm, um, some physical ailments, and the Lord had told me to pray for him earlier this year, about six months ago. And he responded back with more terminology, more name-calling, more da 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 I said, so-and-so, all I'm going to tell you is this. I love you, and I am your friend. I'm not sure you're mine. I'm not sure you're mine. I'm, I'm saying I'm here for you. I'm saying I stand with you. I'm saying you're right in these areas. I'm saying I love you, and you just keep coming at me hard. I'm not your enemy. I'm actually trying to help you. I'm trying to stand with you. But every time I take a stand, you punch me in the face, and then you're mad, and you wonder why nobody wants to stand with you. And I said, this is what I know. I love you no matter what, and I will continue to stand, but you're hurting me. Okay? And I'm not usually that honest. Usually I smooth it over, right? I do the political thing. Okay, I'll be honest with you. Usually I smooth it over. Usually I don't say anything. I just stay calm. I chalk it up to this is where people are at. But this individual and I have been in a relationship for 12 years. I'm like, okay, we've had real conversations the last six months, some pretty hard conversations. I know the enemy's pressing in on the atmosphere. I know the enemy's pressing in on the nation, right? I know we're all struggling. And I thought, is this ever going to change? And how is this going to change, Lord? And why is this bothering me so much? Why am I so upset? And I'm going to show you what the Lord told me about where I was missing it, okay? So I just want to say first and foremost, I was. And second, um, it is possible. It is entirely possible in this hour, in this day, in this earth, to bring God's kingdom in a way that changes people's hearts and changes people's lives, whether they want it to or not. Because we war not against flesh and blood, but against principalities and powers and wickedness in high places. And we are seated in the heavenly places, that place of the third heaven, which we're going to talk about in a minute. And this is the revelation God gave me while I was crying out to him, you know, trying to figure out what is my problem. How can I not get this to move? You are the king of kings, the Lord of lords. You spoke the world into existence. Why isn't this shifting? I know this person's heart. Why are we stuck? Why do we keep going around this mountain? Right? Amen. So he gave me this title, The ABCs of Victorious Prayer, right? Maybe not the ABCs, but it was an ABC moment for me <laughs> this morning. And he, and he brought me, Kimmy, I'm going to ask you to bring me my Bible, baby. He brought me to the probably best-known prayer out of Matthew in the entire world. Let's see if you know this one. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come and thy will be done here on earth as it is in heaven. And what? And give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us and lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever and ever. Amen. Yeah, okay, all us good Catholics, we know that one. Race Catholic. That's Matthew 6. 
Yeah, Methodist Church too. Okay, good to know. Good to know. I'm just going to move this here, kiddo. Yeah, so he brought me there and I thought, well, we've preached on this before, Lord. And he said, yeah, but I got something new for you. I said, sir, yes, sir. What are we, what are we talking about? I, I would say, say, Daddy, what do you, you want to tell your children? What do you want to tell your people? And um, let me change that. Actually, let me go back to the picture. I love this picture. I was like, which image are we going to use? And I was going to delete this because this is actually the one that comes on the slide. And he said, don't you delete that. He said, I want you to talk about the reality that sometimes we think prayer is being on our knees or in our closet or sitting in a chair with our Bible in front of us. Or prayer can only happen at church. But the Lord says, everywhere you go, you're incognito. She's got her hood up. Nobody knows what that girl's doing. She's talking to Jesus. Just like Donna was talking about the fire in the feet. In, first, in Joshua 1, 1 through 8, it says, Everywhere be strong and very courageous. I tell you again, Joshua, be strong and very courageous. Why? Because you are going to lead these people into the land that I have promised them. And how do we do that? How do we lead people into the land that God has promised them? We take the promised land through prayer. And like I was sharing my story earlier, there are moments when we do get weary, right? You get popped a couple times by a couple giants. You didn't quite have your sword sharpened up, right? It's a little dull, didn't kind of go all the way through where it needed to go through maybe. You weren't quick enough. You were caught off guard. I don't know what happens, right? You've been fighting for 27 hours, and, you know, you got a surprise sneak attack from the left or the right, you know. There's reasons, there's ways, there's, there's times that that happens, right? Taking the promised land is not for the faint of heart. It's for warriors. Turn to your neighbor and say, you are called to be a warrior. You are a son or a daughter of God. And guess what? That means you need to fight. Okay? Now, this is, that, that doesn't mean you need to fight in your own strength, but it does mean you need to fight right? But this is the beauty. The battle's already won, okay? So we go on to the first piece, and this jumps off the page. I said, Daddy, what do you want to say? He said, tell them to say, our Father. It's our. It's about the we, not the me. We need to treat each other, children of God, especially with honor, with respect, and with kindness, and care enough about each other to speak the truth in love. Is anyone tired of polite church? Where we pretend like everything's okay and we sweep everything under the rug. It's been done way too long. Religion wants to sweep everything under the rug and pretend like nothing's wrong. But a good Jewish family, a good Irish family, we're going to haver. Sha-da-da-da-da. You did what? We're going to talk this out. Not because I don't love you, but because I do. We're not going to be easily offended, right, if somebody has a bad day and all this stuff is going on and they have a meltdown because we recognize, you know what, been there. But for the grace of God, there go I. Amen. So we got to cut, cut each other slack. Amen. Right? How many of y'all need slack sometimes? Just me? No, everybody. Amen. We got some truth tellers in the room. Way to go. I'm proud of you guys. All right. Some brave souls. We all need grace sometimes, right? Mm-hmm. He says, forgive as I have forgiven you. Right? So it's such good practice. It's not always easy to do, but it's such good practice to forgive others as we ourselves have been forgiven. And this idea of the we, that we are a family. We are all God's children. He is our father, not just my father, right? 
you know, sometimes we want to do that too. We want to say, I'm not so sure he's your father. <laughs> you, you might have a different father altogether, <laughs> right? And we kind of get high and mighty. But it says, anyone that believes in their heart and confesses with their mouth that Jesus Christ is Lord shall be saved. You cannot confess Jesus is Lord without knowing that he's, without being saved. You cannot say that out of your mouth without literally being transformed and becoming a new creation in Christ Jesus. It's impossible. And then he said it all starts with identity. So we've got this idea of the we, the familyhood of God, being in the family, living in vulnerability, being honest with each other, being okay that we have emotions. And emotions are literally just indications of where we're at. And that when we truly love one another and we know that we're going to be in this family for an eternity, we've got to figure this stuff out together. And it's okay. Grace is messy. True grace is messy. So not only do we have that idea of the we, of the messy grace, but we've got this idea of Father. It all starts with our identity and our connection and our relationship to a perfect, loving Father. Our Father God is good. He's always good. He's never not good. He never has a plan for us or some kind of thing that's going to pull the rug out from under our feet. He never intends to embarrass us or humiliate us. He never wants to hurt us. He never wants to set us up for failure. He is good and he is faithful. He always provides for everything that we need. He always protects us. He always, always, always tells us the truth. Not because he doesn't love us and even though sometimes it's hard to hear, but because he does love us. He always gives us the strength to do the very thing that he asked us to do. He always, always, always there. He never leaves us. He never abandons us. He never forsakes us. And he never, ever lets us down. And our daddy always wins. When we are in the fight and we can't do it or we're feeling weak or we're feeling beat up or we got sideswiped and I'm down on the battleground and my armor got tore up a little bit or my sword was a little too dull and I'm a little nervous because there's something standing over me acting like it wants to take me out, all I need to do is say, Daddy. And my daddy's there like, oh, da, 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 da. you're not touching my baby. Anybody got kids in the room? I can become a for real mama bear. For real mama bear. Okay, Cammie's talking about her cat, just to be clear. It does qualify. It does qualify. Okay, any pet mamas in the room? Okay, we got, I know, Holly, you better raise your hand. You're pet mama. Yeah, pet mama over there, two dogs. I know. I can't. Yeah, she's a great pet mama. <laughs> okay, the cat has a leash. <laughs> it's purple, and the cat walks on the leash. She brought him over today while I was preparing and said, I just need to talk to you, Mom. And I was, I'll be honest, I was a little nervous because I was still working on some of this. And the Holy Spirit said, do you trust me? I said, yes. <laughs> I do in faith <laughs> as my flesh is going, cha-cha-cha-cha. And I, I knew I was supposed to say, yeah, come over. So she said, I wanted to bring your grandbaby over to say hello this morning. <laughs> Made my whole morning. I just love it. I just love it. All right, bunny trail. But you made my morning. I love it when they do that, right? Don't you love when your kids just surprise you? Yeah. So our identity is in this reality that we're sons and we're daughters of God. 
God who is in control, God who is good, God who always provides, God who always protects us. And when we're, like I was saying, when we're down on that battlefield, our daddy is the biggest daddy on the block. And he always wins. Always, 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 always wins. Every time. There's such safety and security in that. He never, ever loses if we listen and obey, ever. We're never interrupting God. I love that about him. We're never interrupting God. Like you see those TV shows sometimes where the son or the daughter interrupts the parent. They're like, no, you know, I can't do this with you right now. Please stop. Get out, get out, get out. I'll talk to you later. We're never interrupting God. We can run as a child of God into the throne room anytime while multitudes of angels and seraphim and cherubim are worshiping him. And he, all of heaven hushes to hear what you want to say. Come on, church. That's my daddy. That's your daddy. All of heaven hushes to hear what you need in that moment. They lit me up today. And I thought, oh, I am well loved. I am well loved. You are well loved. The creator of heaven and earth. Why would he even consider giving me, giving you that kind of honor? It's who he is, but that's how much he values you. He didn't have to do that. He didn't have to create us. He didn't have to form you in your mother's womb, but he wanted a relationship with you. He wants intimacy with you. And he will make all of heaven come to a holy hush so he can hear what his daughter or what his son would say, what you would say to him. What an honor. And the devil comes around trying to tell us, you're not important. Um, hello, you have to wait your turn. You have to go roam the whole earth and figure out what's going on and then wait your turn to come tell God what's going on. He lets me come in any time. Boldly, I come before the throne of grace. For mercy and grace in my time of need, anytime I want, because he's my Abba. I'm a child. You have to stand in line. You know your place. If I open my mouth and say what Daddy said, you have to obey me. Who are you to come and tell me I'm nobody? Who is he to come and tell you that? You're a daughter of the king. You are a son of the king. You are royalty. You are a royal priesthood. You rule and reign with him. You're seated in the heavenly places with Christ Jesus. Come on. Come on. That lit me up today. You're never interrupting God. God that's one thing he wanted me to tell you today. You're not an interruption to him. You're not an irritant to him. You can't ask him for too many things during the day. You're not going to bother him if you ask him 8,000 questions. And then he wanted me to tell you that you have the very same DNA as Father God, okay, as the Trinity, Father, Son, Holy Spirit. Because the moment that you accepted Christ as your Lord and Savior, you were a new creation. So you carry his DNA in you. Think about that just for a second. Let that settle. The King of kings and the Lord of lords, the creator of heaven and earth, his very DNA is on the inside of me and on the inside of you. We're in an hour in this nation where the devil's trying to run around and tell us we're not important. 
tell us he's going to defeat us. Oh, honey. I got the DNA of the creator of the universe on the inside of me. What do you mean I'm not going to win this war? What do you mean I need to sit down? My daddy said, and that's not arrogance, that's confidence. That's true humility displayed because we recognize the reality that it doesn't come from us, but it comes through us, amen? And I don't have to apologize for being a daughter of God. You don't have to apologize for being a son of God, a daughter of God. That is who you are. It is your birthright. And it is not arrogant. It just is. The Queen of England doesn't go apologizing for who she is. Oh, I'm so sorry I'm so rich. I'm so sorry I have influence with everyone. I'm so sorry you have to bow when you come into my throne. No, I'm not sorry, devil. You better get down and find your place. Listen, in Jesus' name, get under his feet. I'm done trifling with you. Come on. Anybody? Amen? I need to hear this. I need to hear this sometimes, especially with all the pressure that's coming at us right now. In this moment, we've got to know our identity. If we want to be victorious in prayer, we've got to have it solidified. The very DNA of the creator of heaven and earth dwells on the inside of me. And when I walk into a room, not only does the fire of God come out of our feet, right? He says he's an all-consuming fire. It's his very DNA. It's God himself. He said he's a wall of fire around us. We simply walk into a room and atmosphere has to shift and obey. If we're listening, if we're asking, Holy Spirit, why are we here? We're going to get a directive. If we're willing and obedient, we're going to say what he tells us to say, and something is going to shift, and someone is going to go home different. Can anybody say amen? Come on. I got excited about that. I love the verse that says, as Christ is, so are we in this world. Not just in the afterlife, not when we put on the imperishable, but in this world. It says that Jesus was the prototype, the firstborn among many brethren. In the Greek, that's prototype, literally. So if you're familiar with manufacturing at all, you know that a prototype is the first one to go through the manufacturing line, and that's what all the others after it are supposed to look like. He's the firstborn among many brethren or sistren. That's you and me, guys. We've been told we can't look like him, and I'm telling you, we can I am not telling you that. Actually, God's telling you that. As Christ is, so are we. It's already so. We're going to get to that in a second. In this world, okay? So moving on, he's like, who are in heaven? I'm like, yeah, okay. We talk about this all the time here at Shekinah, right? If we want to pray effectively, we must understand the heavens and what heaven this is particularly referring to. 2 Corinthians 12, 2 says, I know a man in Christ who 14 years ago was caught up into the third heaven. Okay, so that tells us a couple things. If there's a third heaven, there's a first and a second. Can anybody say amen? We got to know the heavens. We got to understand the heavens. And this is where I was really missing where I was operating out of, okay? I knew of them, but God gave me a little nugget today. Whether it was in the body or out of the body, Paul says, I do not know. God knows. So the third heaven does tell us that there's a first and a second heaven. We're, that's what we're going to talk about. This is what I'm so excited to share with you today. 
So there's this idea of the first heaven. Some of you know this. This may be review, but some of you may not know this, and we'll get into the little nugget that he gave me about this today. There's a first, there's a second, and there's a third heaven. In the first heaven, it's the natural earth where we physically seal, see things, we feel things, we taste things. You, the person sitting next to you is wearing a specific color and a certain kind of fabric. It's tangible, okay? A friend of mine says, humanly speaking, right, it's this plane, it's this world, it's water and air and trees and animals and silk and butterflies and caterpillars, right? It's hearing audible voices. It's hearing the sound that comes out of musical instruments. It's tasting food. It's smelling anointing oil, right? In Genesis 1.20, it says, Then God said, Let the waters teem with swarms of living creatures and let the birds fly above the earth in the open expanse of the heavens. So those are things we can kind of see and touch and smell and taste in the natural, Okay with our physical bodies. It's where we see things humanly. It's where we see, touch, smell, feel the wind, taste food. It's where we experience physical enjoyment or physical pain. It's where we function in the natural or where we function humanly, okay? And then there's the second heaven. This is what I like to call the world's supernatural war zone, okay? Anybody do some work in the second heaven sometimes? Yeah, come on. Every time you speak the word of God, you may not know it, but you're actually doing warfare in the second heaven because the angels hasten to perform the word of God. So every time you decree or declare the word of God out of your mouth, the angels hasten to perform it in that second heaven, and they go and take care of any principalities or powers or anything exalting itself up against the knowledge of God that is in the way or causing havoc in that second heaven, and they bring it into alignment with the word of God that you spoke out of your mouth because you're a daughter or because you're a son. You're literally a supernatural warrior. Turn to your neighbor and say, baby, you supernatural. <laughs> baby, you supernatural. <laughs> Ephesians 6, 12 says, for our struggle is not against flesh and blood. Tell your neighbor it's not against me, but I am sorry. <laughs> It's against authorities, it's against the powers of the dark world and against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. There are unseen forces operating in the seven, second heaven, and they're operating all the time. Okay, that's why witchcraft works. That's why prayer works. Because when we are created in the image of God. So when we open our mouth and we speak a thing, it either empowers the demonic and the kingdom of darkness to establish a stronghold and expand the kingdom of darkness, or it empowers the angels, the obedient angels of God, and really demons, just in case you don't know, are just fallen angels, okay, disobedient angels, okay, for those of you who don't know. Or we speak the word of God in, in accordance with what God gave, whether it's written or rhema, something spoken to us by him to say and decree in that moment. And then the angels go to hasten to perform the word. And in that second heaven, they take ground for the kingdom of God and establish it. Okay? So imagine with me this interesting place, this supernatural second heaven. Okay? Okay? where angels and demons really do exist, and they do. 
And it's neat. This is a really neat time that we're living in because the youth that are coming up, they understand this is the real deal, right? You young people, you get it, right? You get it. You get it in a way that some of us older generation, especially those in the church, kind of wanted to, in America more than anywhere else, wanted to say, not so sure that's a a thing. You know what I mean? I did a play one time at a church that I was at, and they were really upset because the play had angels and demons in it. I'm like, um, did you read the Bible? Let me tell you where I got that from, right over here in Ephesians. And they were, you know, they were just nervous about it. It made them very nervous. And I think sometimes in some of our more traditional congregations, it does make us nervous, not because it's not real, but because it looks odd if you don't understand the scriptures and how to warn the spirit without looking like a flake. Can I just be honest? Okay. Okay. You don't have to have a big staff with feathers on it. You don't have to be wearing weird clothes. You don't have to yell at the top of your lungs. You don't have to shake. Okay. I've seen it all, people. I'm just saying. You know what I'm talking about. Shake, flake, and bake. You have authority without freaking out like that. Okay? Because it's the word of God that gives us authority, and it's our stance <laughs> as a, in our identity as a son and a daughter of God that gives us the actual authority to walk into a room and just say a thing. You don't see the queen hollering at the top of her lungs at everybody. Now there's a time God will raise her voice. Jesus even did it, right? Do you remember what he said? Lazarus, come forth. But sometimes the Lord will have you do that. But you don't have to holler, la, 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 four hours of deliverance, you know. Okay? I'm just saying. I think we're coming into an, an hour where it doesn't have to look weird. It's a single rhema word. When you get the rhema word and you're operating from that motive of love, the love from our Father, and you're operating in your identity as a son, as a daughter, you're walking in with your royal crown on, and you recognize the reality that the kingdom of God is within you, the very DNA of God himself is within you. You simply say what he says to say, and it must move. Not because of who you are, not because of how loud you are, not because of whether you shake or fall or don't or whatever, but simply because you obeyed what he told you to say, you said it, or you did what he showed you to do. Now, I'm going to say this. There is, a ca- <laughs> there, there is a caveat. God will ask you to do some weird stuff, <laughs> okay? I'm just saying. But when you do it, he moves. <laughs> he moves. I'm driving down Cedar Street a couple years ago. The Lord told me, pull through McDonald's. I said, Lord, I don't want no french fries. I'm trying to lose weight, like 190 pounds. This has got to go, right? Drive through McDonald's. Sir, yes, sir. I'm ordering something today. What are we getting here? I drive through the drive-thru. I get up to the window. He says, I want you to tell this person, and I don't, honestly don't remember the word. Whatever it was he wanted me to tell him, I said, well, okay. I said, hey. So I didn't even want to come through the drive-thru. God had me come through the drive-thru to talk to you, and this is what he wanted me to tell you. Whatever it was, asked him for prayer, said what he said to say. The guy's like all excited, crying, right? I was like, thank God I obeyed. You know, he, he didn't tell me his whole story and what was going on that day, but whatever it was, it so touched his heart that he, I know he was changed. So I got my little coffee or whatever it was, drove the rest of the way through the drive-thru, made it a little bit late to my meeting, but I did what he wanted me to do. Another story, my husband 
one time, Cammie was learning how to drive, and we pull into the Dollar Tree on the corner of um, Kavanaugh and Cedar Street, okay? And this dude next to us is driving like a madman, and that's coming from me, for those of you that have driven with me, okay? So that's saying something. For those of you that don't know me, this is my joke. If you don't know Jesus when you get into my car, you will when you get out. Do you have your faith seatbelt on? So Cammie's this 16-year-old driver. I'm in the passenger seat, and this guy comes about 40 into this parking space, and I was like, almost threw up in my mouth. I instinctively, as a mom, grabbed the steering wheel and hit the horn like, dude, you almost hit us. Be careful. And the guy's mad. I was like, well, Jesus, help me. My husband is so wise. The guy gets mad, starts yelling and screaming, cussing, flipping us off. She's 16. She's like, is this what driving's going to be like? <laughs> Mama Bear's like, I cut off this, I cut off that. I'm like, Lord Jesus, help my husband to stay safe because Shane's 6'2", so he gets out of the car. He's a presence just in body mass, okay? <laughs> he gets out of the vehicle, and he starts to walk his way back to this guy's van. The guy stops in the middle of the road like, bring it, you know? He's still swearing, flipping us off, and I'm just like, dear Jesus, please don't let him shoot Shane. That's all I can think is just don't let him shoot Shane. Please keep them both safe. Fill Shane's words with your mouth. And Shane goes, gets up to the car. He tells us when he gets back. I get up to the car, and I'm like, dude, what's going on? Are you all right? And the guy starts to cry. He said, my mom's dying. My mom's dying. Her kidneys are failing, and I got to come here and get something that I need, and I'm really sorry. He goes, my daughter's 16. You just scared her. My wife wasn't trying to make you mad. She just beeps the horn because she didn't think you saw us, and she's a pretty crazy driver, and you're driving pretty wild. Normally, she doesn't care, but it startled her, and the guy's like, I'm just so sorry. He goes, well, can I pray for you? The guy's like, yep. So she takes a minute and prays for him. So we have these first heaven experiences where there's second heaven forces at work. And that guy was probably fear, right? Like a spirit of fear. My mom's going to die. There's a spirit of death operating. We don't know if it was premature death, right? But he was hurting. He was mourning. He was sad. There was a spirit of rage and anger. He was probably angry that his mom was dying, right? He didn't understand it. Maybe he didn't know the Lord. But my husband was wise. He responded in love. And it changed this guy's life. Come on. So I like to say that the second heaven is the world's supernatural war zone, where the angels war with the demons to expand the kingdom of God. And it's the world's supernatural war zone where the demons war with the angels to expand the kingdom of darkness. And that the supernatural beings do exist and that we are in a war. What's going on in the second heaven is merely a reflection of the whether how much kingdom ground we've taken for the kingdom here on earth, okay? It's really a reflection of how well we as sons and daughters of God have done to take land here on this first heaven plane, if that makes sense, okay? So, for example, people come to my house all the time. Jake and I think Lyra were over there one day. They popped in and brought me chicken for lunch, and we had a wonderful day. And Jake's sitting on my couch. He goes, dude, it's so relaxing over here. He's passing out. And I'm like, I said, I know. I said, I've created a portal. Like, there is an open heaven over my home. People tell me that all the time. They come in, and they can't not fall asleep because the presence of God is just there, right? But I faithfully 
established a presence in my home. Jaden worships, I worship, I decree and declare the word all the time, I'm blowing shofars, I'm dancing, I'm doing and saying and whatever daddy says. I'm praying my prayers in the morning, I'm praying my prayers at night. There ain't no devil that's getting near my land in Jesus' name because I own it and I'm going to steward it well. But people come over and they come into that atmosphere that's been stewarded well. And in the first heaven, you experience the joy. You experience the peace. You can rest. There's not a battle going on. You're, you're falling out, like, right? Like John on the island of Patmos. <laughs> like, I don't know why I'm so tired. Well, that's Jesus, honey. Enjoy it. Just enjoy it. Let him work. Let him heal you. Right? Let him bless you. Amen? But in the second heaven above my home, there ain't a bunch of demons wandering around. And if I even get a whiff of something coming near, daddy has a conversation with me. And we say what he says to say. And we do what he says to do. And it shifts right back. It's like, no, you're not even taking a centimeter of air. A little, I don't even know how you measure air. You're not taking a single breath of air in my space. And you, as a child of God, you as a son and as a daughter of God, you have authority over the land that you pay for, that you rent that you own. You have authority in your place of work as an employee. Everywhere the sole of your foot treads, Daddy said, he will give you success. You have authority in your school, in your classroom. All you need to do is call in his name. Holy Spirit, what is this? Something doesn't feel right here, and what do you want me to do about it? And you just say what he says to say, and you do what he shows you to do, and things have to shift. Because the very DNA of God dwells on the inside of you. And Satan knows his place. Anytime the enemy's coming against your head and messing with you, you better take, take it as a compliment. It's usually a sign that you're about to take him out of a place that he has filled for some time. Take it as a compliment. It means you're probably coming into a place of promotion. You're about to do something amazing for the kingdom. So he pushes and he pushes and he agitates and he pecks and he pokes. Okay, Lord, why is the enemy poking at me? I'll tell you why, because you're about to get breakthrough. And he's scared. He's only coming to say those things and to make you nervous and to make you afraid because he knows you have Christ in you, the hope of glory. And at one word of your mouth, a single act of obedience, he has to shift and come under the feet. Come on. Or shift out of that area at least, amen? Mm, that got me excited today. I was like, whoo. Got to go in Jesus' name. Come on, everybody. This is where some people hear demons speaking. Have you ever worked with a young seer where they say, I hear what the demons are telling them? Okay, then, honey, you're operating in the second heaven. And that's okay. God will show you that sometimes. But when you're hearing what the demons are saying, it means you're actually getting revelation out of the second heaven. You have to be very careful, and I'll tell you why. Because if you don't know the word of God well enough, you can make big mistakes about whether what you're hearing is from God or it's not from God. And a demon can deceive and lie, and they can quote the word just as good as we can. So if you don't know the word for yourself and you don't know how to go up to that third heaven and get the revelation, what did you, okay, here's an example. Some of y'all looking at me like I'm crazy. Here's an example. What did Satan say to Jesus when he was on the 40 days? Is it not written? Come on. Is it not written? Is it not written? He used the very word of God against him, but God, Jesus had discernment. 
He knew that that word was being taken out of context. He knew what God told him to do. He understood the heart of the father, and he had a rhema. Daddy said, go and fast. I'm not going to eat that bread. Is it not written you can turn the stones into bread? He was like, devil, you are a liar. He knew, he discerned that it was coming out of that second heaven place, and the enemy was trying to tempt him. He couldn't tempt him directly by bringing fear or by bringing some kind of demonic oppression. None of that was working with Jesus anymore. So what did he do? He brought an actual written word and tried to deceive him. Okay? And it's the body of Christ in this hour, in this area, we've got to be able to grow to the point where we can sense and discern and we know that we know that we know the voice of God. He says, my sheep hear my voice. And turn to your neighbor and say, you hear the voice of God. Okay? So many times you know it here and you're like, yeah, but that's scripture. I should. But you don't have a good feeling about it here. You're like, I don't know why this doesn't feel right, but I don't like it. If that's going on, just stop everything you're doing right there and don't do another thing until you get a confirmation from Father. Either way. Because if you got a knower in you, like, mm, I don't know. You do know. You actually do know. You're actually picking up on the reality that the enemy is trying to trick you from something out of that second heaven. You need to get back to the last thing you know that you know that you know God told you and just keep doing that. Okay? Does that make sense? All right, let me see what else he, I'm going to skip over this maybe. Yeah. Okay. Angels or demons have taken and established either the kingdom of darkness or the kingdom of God in the second heaven, and it is a reflection of the progress that we as sons and daughters of God have made here on earth in our own spheres of influence. Amen? Okay. And the beauty of it is this, it doesn't matter how much progress we have or haven't made, because there's always more progress to make, right? When I establish it in my home, we're good, now I can move on to somewhere else in the city, maybe my place of work. When I establish it in my work, cool, move on, I can move somewhere else in the city and establish it there. When I've established it in the city and all the different places that I go, maybe it's time for me to start helping other people learn how to establish it in their spheres of influence, right? Because it's not just about me, it's about the body. Imagine with me, we have a city of 500,000 people in the metropolitan area. Supposedly, 65 to 75% of those are Christian. Over 60% of the world's nations live in our city. I don't know if you're aware of that. Imagine with me, what would our city look like if every single Christian was equipped on how to win the war in the second heaven? How to partner with God on that? What would your workplace look like? What would your classroom look like? What would your school look like? What would your friends' houses look like who don't know the Lord? What would your home look like? What would your street look like? What would your neighbor's houses look like? What would your neighborhood house look like? Imagine. It would look like heaven. Amen? All right. So then there's this third heaven, okay? And this is where the throne of the Father, the throne of the Son, and the throne of the Holy Spirit is. It's where angels worship 24-7 before the throne of God. 24. The seraphim and the cherubim are there. The great cloud of witnesses are there. The thrones are there. It says there's going to be thrones, right, of the elders past, and I believe the elders to come. 
Fear of the Lord is normal there. Every tear is wiped away there. Everyone is healed there. No one is sick. The glory of God is readily available and accessible there. Satan has to report to Father God after going to or fro, God's in charge. And nobody's afraid because everybody knows who's in charge, amen? This is the place of Christ's victory, it says. And God raised us up with Christ Jesus and seated us. That's past tense. Turn to your neighbor and said, you are seated. You're not going to be seated. You are seated, okay? You're already seated in the throne room with Jesus on David's throne. It is the place of worship. It is the place of victory. It is the place of ruling, and it is the place of reigning. You are seated, E.D. So now, with that in mind, look at our chart again. The first heaven, the second heaven, the third heaven. Where do we operate from? Your spirit man is seated in the third heaven. Imagine that with me right now, because that's the truth. See it. Ask Holy Spirit to help you see it in your mind's eye. That is where your spirit man, spirit woman is seated. Well, just spirit. There is no male or female. We'll just, won't get into all that teaching today. Okay? But your physical body is here in the first heaven. At any time, all day long, any time you want, you can tap into that third heaven. It's like you got, you know, you ever been in one of those buildings, hotels where you can't go up to a certain floor because they're so rich and whatever, uppity? You know what I'm talking about, the real fancy ones? I like them because I don't want certain people on my floor. Listen, you don't need me on the floor. I don't want you checking out my stuff, whatever. You, you have the key. You can get in. If you don't, I know my purse is safe, <laughs> okay? So they give you a key, but you can only get up to a certain level, okay? It's like that in New York. I don't know if you've been to any of the nicer hotels in New York. But you swipe the key, and it only takes you to your floor and takes you right back down, all right? You have a key to Zion, you have a key to the third heaven. Jesus Christ in you is the key, and you're seated there. And anytime you want, you just swipe the, bowl, the grace of God card, the finished work of Jesus card, and you're there. You're there. The real you. The real you is your spirit man or woman. This body, he says it's fading away. The Lord says it's perishing, it's decaying day by day, that we're going to get new bodies. Whatever, mine looks pretty good still. I'm just going to keep confessing that because, you know, I'm kind of, I guess, vain still. I don't know, or crazy. I just kind of believe that my youth is renewed like the eagle literally and figuratively, right? I mean, the glory of God, he said, Moses came down and his face shone. His face shone. It was full of light. His eyes did not fade. I met a guy this weekend. His name was Lonnie. The guy was 75 years old. But he had, a more, he had the energy of a 13-year-old. I was like, Lonnie, can you lay hands on me? He's like, oh, yeah. Lay hands on me. I was like, Jesus, I could feel the fire of God going all up and down my back. I said, you have a Caleb anointing. He said, yes, I do. I said, I'm asking for an impartation. Do you know what the difference? I'm writing another book, which I'll share that later, but. It's called Rest is War. Daddy's been talking to me about the difference between a Joshua and a Caleb. He said, do you know what the difference is between Joshua and Caleb? I'm like, no, sir. He said, both of them went into the land and led the people into the land. He said, Joshua got discouraged with the people and dismayed, and Caleb was still happy about it because he kept his eyes on the Lord. <laughs> yeah, amen. And we all have those moments where we've led people in, and we're like, oh, Jesus. 
Choose ye this day who you will serve. Whether the gods of the Amorites or the gods of our forefathers. Like, seriously, will you ever get it together? You know, Joshua was having a day. And Caleb comes up to Joshua and says, Give me the mountain that God promised me and my family. I shall go up and take it, for surely I am as just as strong today as I was the day the Lord spoke the word. He was full of joy and excitement. He still had a vision, and he knew God was good. He's like, eh, they'll figure it out. I'm not going to get distracted by other people's mess. I'm going to invite them to come with me like Jesus did, right? How many of you have seen Chosen? Anybody seen Chosen? Okay, so you remember when Jesus was working with Nicodemus, and they were standing by the water fountain in that series, and he said to Nicodemus, follow me. And Nicodemus is standing on the side of the building. He's crying and sobbing because he wasn't willing to give up his life. Jesus took just a moment to grieve. Oh, man, that's too bad. But you know what he did next? He moved on. You're going to have 30, 60, and 100 fold. And this is the deal, you guys. We get to choose how far we go with God. And the further we go, the greater the glory. The further we go, the greater the peace. The further we go, the greater the blessings. The further we go, the greater the joy. And I hope you will follow me as I follow him. Because it is good and it is awesome and it is irreplaceably amazing. But if you don't, I'm going to be like, I love you. I'm going to keep going. You let me know if you change your mind. You let me know if you change your mind, but I got to keep following my daddy. I got to keep following my Lord. I got to keep following my Savior. Lives are at stake. Nations are at stake. We're called the disciple nations. So that third heaven is the place of victory. And what Father God showed me about the original story I shared with you and why I was feeling so frustrated. He said, Stephanie, you're trying to win this person over in the first heaven natural. You're listening to what they're saying and you're responding to what they're saying. Stop it. They don't even know what they're talking about. They don't know my word. They're hurt and they're wounded. Stop. Do not respond to them in the first heaven. This is a second heaven battle. I'm like, oh, yeah, you're right. Sorry. Now, I know that, okay? But sometimes in the heat of the battle, when your tank is like mm, just barely full enough for you, the overflow is, you know. So I repented. I said, okay, Father, forgive me. He said, I need you to come up here. You've heard that verse in Revelation? Come up here that I may show you some things. That's what he's talking about. You find that throne where you are seated in your identity in Christ Jesus in the finished work of who he is in you, the reality that the very DNA of God dwells on the inside of you. And you ask questions, Father, what is this and what do you want me to do about it? And sometimes he says, nothing. I'm going to tell you what it is. I might let you pray, but I don't want you to say a thing. He had me silent for an entire hour on a car ride home the other day. An hour. I'm an apostle. I, it's hard for me to shut up. It was not an easy assignment. So I guess in a way he did give me something to do, but shutting up was not what I thought I was going to be doing. And in our zeal for the Lord and our love for his people, sometimes we want to fix something for someone else. But they're in the process that they're in for a reason because they have to experience it so that they will call on the name of the Lord. He does not want them coming to us. He wants them coming to him. And sometimes there's a lesson that they have to learn, and it's like, oh, this hurts so bad to watch them go through this. I don't want to see them keep getting beat up. 
But love lets it sit sometimes. Anybody got kids? You ever put your kid in the corner? Oh, you weren't that kind of mom. I was. I spanked my babies. Listen, pow, pow. And if your baby's at my house, I'm spanking them too. So don't leave them with me if you're not okay with that. Because I'm not playing. No means no in my house. You get one verbal warning. Next time you get popped in the behind you, you get a little boogie, a little woogie in your boogie. Okay? And the next time I say no, you're going to snatch your head and you're going to think twice about it. Because my no means no. <laughs> All right? God does that with us sometimes. Sometimes he has to put us in a corner because he wants us to think about what we've done or how something's trying to operate on us or work through us. And it's not punishment in a punitive sense. It's discipline. It's loving discipline. Darling, I love you so much. If we're going to see this shift, if we're going to see this fix, I just need you to be still. I need you to get alone with me. I need you to stop running to Peter, Paul, and Mary, Jethro, and Franklin, and I don't know, whoever, right? And trying to get your answers from them and trying to be something that you're not. It's okay that you are where you are, but be honest about where you are because that is where you are. And there's no shame in that. We all start out there, right? Sometimes in our youthfulness in the Lord, we get excited and we want to get ahead, you know, to this place that we feel like is a place of having arrived. But if we don't slow down enough to enjoy the process, to have the conversations with God, to learn how to function, first, second, third heaven, to understand his word, to get it hidden in our heart so that at any time when we're entering into that promised land and the enemy comes against us, we can say a thing and it's sharp as, sharp as ever, double-edged, double-edged sword. And we can take an enemy out at a single word. We could get ourselves in trouble. Or we can get hurt. Right? I remember, uh, man, I was feisty. I, I just, do you ever thank God for the mature people in your lives back when you weren't? <laughs> yeah, God had me go back to a couple pastors and just say, please forgive me. I'm just sorry. I'm just sorry. I, I was like so zealous for the Lord. I'm like, but it says... You know, I didn't have enough common sense to go, oh, you guys are in a different place, so I just need to let you be you. I need to move on. Um, okay, so there's this idea of the first heaven, the second heaven, and the third heaven. Our job is to, while we are physically here in the first heaven, open the second heaven up to access the promises and the fullness of Christ's inheritance in the third heaven and make a open door so that anything God wants to do can be done in that place and in that space. That is your job everywhere you go. That is your job everywhere you go is a, is a kingdom agent, if you will, okay? And it is possible, okay? It's not mission impossible. It's mission possible, and Jesus did all the hard work. We just need to figure out what the keys are, okay? Amen? All right, so... Moving on, moving on, moving on. So then this pops up, hallowed. Hallowed be your name. How many of you did not are willing to admit that when you were a little kid you did not know what hallowed meant? Yeah, okay, that's cute. Laura says she thought it was hollered. Hollered be your name, God. That would have worked for me. That would have worked for me. Yeah, you're from Tennessee. That makes sense. Hollered be your name, Lord. So the louder I am. That's how this works. Maybe that's where some of the shake, bake, and hollering people are coming from. So hallowed be your name. Hallowed be your name. Hallowed be means it be. It be hallowed. 
right? It is hallowed. And hallowed means to be holy, to treat as holy. It be treated as holy. It makes holy. It sets apart as holy. It sanctifies as holy. It purifies. It's created for his glory. Hallowed be. In other words, hallowed be what? Hallowed be your name, not my name, not my agenda, not my title, not my destiny. Hallowed be your name. Father God, I love Philippians 1, 9 through 11. Paul says, I pray that my knowledge will grow more and more. And I pray that I, you will grow, your love will grow more and more in knowledge and in depth of insight. Why? So that you may be able to discern, and like that chart we showed, what is best in every situation. So the more we grow in the love of God, recognizing that God loves us, and the more we grow in our knowledge of who God is and what his word says and how this all works, the better we're able to be in a situation like that and in the moment, even under pressure, discern, oh, the enemy's messing with me. How do you want me to respond? Amen? We are created for his glory. It says, hallowed be your name. We are created for our entire purpose of being is, is to glorify his name. I love uh, Isaiah 43, and I'm just going to read the whole thing just because it stirred my heart today. But now, this is what the Lord says, who created you, Jacob. That's what it says in the book, Jacob. I'm not messing with you. He who formed you, Israel, do not fear. I have redeemed you. I have summoned you by name, and you are mine. When you pass through the waters, I will be with you. And when you pass through the rivers, they will not sweep over you. And when you walk through the fire, you will not be burned, and the flames will not set you ablaze. Can anybody say amen? In other words, when all hell is breaking out against you, you're going to be okay. You're going to be okay. In fact, you're going to be more than okay. You're going to come out, and you're not even going to smell like smoke. You're just going to be a little bit freer in Jesus. Amen? For I am the Lord your God, your Father, right, like we just talked about. I am the Holy One of Israel, your Savior. I give Egypt for your ransom. Cush and Seba in your stead, since you are precious and honored in my sight. Just let that, even that one truth sink in. You are precious. You are honored in his sight. And he says, and because I love you, I will give people in exchange for you and nations in exchange for your life. Think about it. In order for the world to be set up the way that it was set up, with freedom of choice, okay, free will, people are literally being given in exchange for us. There's a time that's coming where there will be a separation of literally heaven and hell. God still created it that way because he so valued those that would freely choose to love him and to be his that would fight the violent faith 
it would take to overcome the flesh and everything in this world so that we could see him face to face and be known as his and know him as our father. He gave people in exchange for us. That's how precious we are to him. And I want you to imagine with me, just as a, you, you being a supernatural human, but in your, because God's love is eternal, in our measure of love, it's less, right? Imagine with me someone you love and care about very much that does not know the Lord and how much it hurts you that they don't know the Lord and the possibility that they might go to hell. And imagine how God feels about all these people he gave in exchange for, for you and for me. At a cost to himself, he chose you. At a cost to himself, he chose me. You are precious and you are honored. Do not be afraid, he says, for I am with you. He says, I will bring your children from the east land and gather you from the west. I will say to the north, give them up into the south. Do not hold them back. Bring my sons from afar and my daughters from the ends of the earth. Hallelujah. Come on. Let me decree that, Father. Let the harvest come in in Jesus' name. Everyone who is called by my name, whom I created for my glory, whom I formed and I made, lead out those who have eyes but are blind, who have ears but are deaf. All the nations gather together and the peoples assemble. Which of their gods foretold this and proclaimed to us the former things? Let them bring their witnesses and prove that they were right. So that others may hear and say it is true. So you've got on the one hand, the individuals kind of shaking their fists. We know, we know, we know. Right? And on the other hand, you've got God, Father God standing here. And he's watching those of us who say, it is true. It is true. I don't know why I'm seeing the gnashing of teeth in my mind's eye right now. I, ho I hope we don't have to witness that. You know, I, re I really hope we don't have to witness that. And if God's willing to allow that so that we can be safe for the rest of eternity, so we can be secure and loved and have peace and joy and wholeness for the rest of eternity, that gives you a little bit of an idea of the value that you have on in his heart. It changes things, doesn't it? It just made me feel real loved this morning when I read that. He says, you are my witnesses, declares the Lord, and my servant whom I have chosen, so that you may know and believe me and understand that I am he. Before me no God was formed, nor will there be one after me. I, even I, am the Lord, and apart from me there is no Savior. Amen. Okay. I have revealed and saved and proclaimed, I am not some foreign God among you. You are my witnesses, he says. Declares the Lord. Witnesses of what? You are my witnesses, declares the Lord, that I am God. 
How do we glorify him? As we obey, as we learn who we are in Christ, as we function out of our identity, as we learn the word and learn to hear his voice and say what he says to say and see what he's doing and simply obey him, as we allow him to come and make us home, shalom, shalom, whole in our soul, in our mind, our willingness and our emotions and our heal the traumas or the fragmented pieces of our, pa- our past, right? As those things happen, we become witnesses because everywhere the sole of our foot treads, he gives us success. And we're constantly opening up the heavens, entering into that third place through our identity in him and bringing the kingdom of God literally to earth by simply saying what he says to say and doing what he shows us to do. And we're cleansing and cleaning out that second heaven. We're participating in the divine glory. Exactly. Yes. The Lord likes that. And he goes on and he says, yes, in form from ancient days, I am he. No one can deliver out of my hand. No one can deliver out of my hand. He says, when I act, who can reverse it? So if you're in one of those battlefield moments where you're like, Jesus, uh, okay, I know I'm not the only one, okay? Yes, we don't swear. That's our Christian cry, guttural cry for help on the battlefield. Jesus, uh, right? Your daddy shows up. Your daddy shows up and he is on fire. And he says, when I act, who can reverse it? Nobody. Nobody. And he helps you back up. And he reminds you why you're there. And he dusts you off. And maybe he lays you in a mess tent for a minute to heal up until he's going to send you back out on the battlefield. Maybe he has you go sharpen your sword. Maybe he has you go back to talk to another person to figure out, hey, how did you do that move? I saw you do this, and I don't get it, man, but that was fast. And then I saw in the news that this happened and that happened and that happened right after we prayed. Like, what is that? Right? Maybe you just go get a little bit of tutoring or mentoring from someone. But when your father shows up on that battlefield, he says, who can reverse it? Nobody. He is undefeatable. Come on. Amen? That gets me excited. All right, so back to a chart. So I just want to review this, okay? You are seated in the third heaven, your spirit man. That is the real you. That is the eternal you. That is you and who you will be forever. You are already in the third heaven with Father, with Son, and with Holy Spirit, according to the Word of God. The battle is happening in the second heaven. And physically, we're here in the first heaven. But the goal is to pierce through the second heaven by operating from the third heaven, the place of victory, okay? If this is one, two, three, the stairs, we're standing in the place of victory in the third place, and we're looking down from the place of victory where we already know it is finished, and we're saying, in Jesus' name, God said. And it has to open up. We're seated on the throne, Looking down, saying shift in Jesus' name because it is already finished. And it's not your might or your power. So you never have to wonder, I don't have enough strength. 
Well, it don't matter because it's already finished. Jesus became strength for you, right? The joy of the Lord is your strength. Well, I'm glad you got joy, Lord, because I don't today. I'm about ready to do this, that, or the other. Help me, Jesus. Sha da 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 Okay? I don't have to have the strength. Jesus, the Lord, the joy of the Lord is my strength. Good thing he's happy today. He's never not happy. It is written. Shift in Jesus' name. Right? Now, some things take longer, especially when people's wills are involved or there's trauma or fragmentation because they have to be willing to shift. But I learned so much from you when you taught the other day, Donna. God shifted my prayers. I've been praying for my husband. He said, Stephanie, I want you to start asking Holy Spirit to heal his will. I'd never in my entire life thought to pray that for someone. And what happens to the will sometimes is when someone's been traumatized and, and the soul fragments and breaks and they, they go into that survival mode, I have to survive. I just got to do what I got to do to survive. The will can get really hard because they're convinced they've bought into some kind of a deception or lie that says, this is the only way I'm going to be happy or the only way I'm going to make it or the only way I'm going to survive. So when we invite Holy Spirit to come and heal their will, you start to see a shift. And it's beautiful. Well, is that biblically legal? Well, I think it is. And I'll tell you about that in a minute. So we're seated in third heaven, spiritually operating from that place of victory, and we are appropriating that finished work of Christ and using his authority to bring things into the first heaven, into order with the kingdom of God, which is fully operative in the third heaven. Amen? When we do that, the angels are loose to hasten to perform his word. In that second heaven, it brings the order in the second heaven. And in that second heaven, shifts and the victory for the kingdom is obtained. Okay? All right, your kingdom come. Come on. I get excited about that. Your kingdom come. Yes. It starts with you. The kingdom of God is literally within you. That's what the scripture tells us in Luke 17. The kingdom of God is not meat or drink. It is not in the human things that are here on earth. It is not in the first heaven, but it is righteousness, peace, and joy, what? In the Holy Spirit. Where does Holy Spirit live? On the inside of you. Guess what? That's pretty exciting. So we go back to that graph again. The third, the third heaven, the kingdom is fully operative. The kingdom is fully operative in Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. And who lives on the inside of us? Come on, Holy Spirit. That's right. So the kingdom of God is literally in you. Why do you think Jesus always said, come here, Jackie. Come up here and shake my hand. The kingdom of God is at hand. It's literally at hand. Every time you go somewhere. And I used to watch all those healing revivals and stuff, and I was like, Lord, why are these people so confident? Like, I don't get it. I mean, right? But they had a revelation of the reality that the kingdom of God is at hand, that everywhere they walk, the very third heaven dwells within them. The kingdom dwells within them. And it's not something they have to do or make happen. They just obey. And they're a literal conduit for all the fullness of God's glory, grace, and Shekinah. Amen. Ooh, I'm getting lit up here. Come on. When Jesus asked the Pharisees when the kingdom of God would come, Jesus replied, the kingdom of God will not come with observation of signs. And this is pre-Christ's 
death and resurrection. Nor will people say, look, here it is, or look over there, there it is. For you will see that the kingdom of God is in your midst. I love this word. In the Greek, when you look up the word entos, okay, in the Greek, that's what midst is. It literally means the kingdom of God is within. It is inside. It is the inside. It is from the inside of anyone that carries it, right? Now, we know at that time, Christ had not died. The believers were not yet baptized and filled with the Holy Spirit or sealed. But we are now. We're living on the other side of that. That's a powerful revelation, you guys. If we get that revelation alone, this first, second, third heaven, and that revelation that you're carriers of the kingdom of God, imagine walking into Myers, people falling all over the place. I'm like, I'm just saying. I believe that the body of Christ corporately is coming into that measure of revelation. It's going to become very normative, very normative. And, and the opposite will happen as well, right? Because in some places, people are demonically possessed. So, you know, you've heard of people crawling walls and doing all kinds of crazy stuff in Africa, right? Don't assume you know what to do and get your butts kicked like the seven sons of Sceva. You better ask. Jesus, what is this? <laughs> and what do you want me to do about it? Okay? Don't assume. So then it goes on and it says, your will be done here on earth as it is in heaven. How do we know God's will? Obviously, the word of God. Amen? We talked about that. We can look at how things are in the third heaven and know God's will, right? Worship, humility, joy, healing, peace, order. Satan should be reporting to us. He should be reporting to God. A demon, anytime you talk to it, has to tell you its name. Anytime. What did it happen with Legion? Do you remember? Jesus was actually asking the man his name, but Legion got cute and spoke up. He talks to the guy and he says, what is your name? And the demon, whoa, Legion. Right. He's like, oh, <laughs> yeah, thank you, but I wasn't talking to you. <laughs> right? But they have to obey you. because They have to obey Christ in you. All things serve God. In Psalm 118, it says, all things serve God. I have to laugh. One of my theologian friends, Matthew Philip, goes to Trinity Church. I absolutely love this man. And we were talking one day, and I said, Matthew, I said, I just read this the other day. Don't you know that all things serve God? He goes, no, they don't. I said, oh, yes, they do. He goes, how do you know that? I said, because God says so in his word. All things serve him. There's not a single thing on this earth that, that does not serve him. Because he set spiritual laws in place, and they all have to obey the spiritual laws. They all serve him. They give him glory if they are manifesting in the ways of the kingdom of darkness because the laws of God are still at play, and the punishment and punitive judgment still come to pass. Amen? It serves him. They serve him if they are obeying the word of God and if they're following his kingdom in the way of holiness. Why? Because then you enter into the kingdom of God and into the blessings that he promised. All things do serve him. He set those spiritual laws in place. So whether good or evil, it's still serving him. Satan literally has to come up and ask permission to sift God's people personally. He just wanders around looking for opportunities to hurt somebody. And the Lord's like... I, I can imagine he's probably thinking, at least this is what I'm thinking he's thinking, right? I don't know. 
Because God sees the end from the beginning. So he knows that this last great harvest is coming. He knows that there's a spotless bride and there's a season for a spotless bride to be raised up. So imagine what God knows in his mind when Satan's roaming to and fro that there's a time coming when the bride's going to rise up and we're going to be so strong, so powerful, so full of the glory of God and we're going to get this revelation and operate in our identity in a way that he's going to be like, you can come up here and request all you want, but you're not going to find nobody. Not on my watch. None of my people. You can sift all you want, but you're going you're gonna to be in big trouble because now they know me and they know your place. You sure you want to ask this question? Amen? That gets me excited. It's sort of like those war movies, right, where the samurai or the boxer finally learns how to get all the hits down and they get to beat up the bad guy and you're like, yeah. Been waiting for that the whole movie. Right? It's like justice. You know? And so I imagine like God's kind of sitting over there being like, eh, you keep you keep you keep asking. There's a Sunday's coming. So we can look at how things are in the third heaven and know God's will, right? We talked about that. All things serve God. And God is in us. Second Peter three nine says, The Lord is not slow in keeping his promise, as some understand slowness. Instead, he is patient with us or with you, not wanting some to perish, but wanting everyone to come to repentance. When, God, when? You had that conversation? Whew, I've been having it this year, let me tell you. Sometimes it takes a minute, right? God's ways are not our ways. His thoughts are not our thoughts. They're above our thoughts. His ways are above our ways. I'm drawing a blank on the reference, but... Um, I've got a verse on my fridge right now, and it says, basically, be patient. At the right time, God will make it happen. Because he's doing a work. And if I intervene or interrupt that work, his very best for the person I'm praying for isn't going to come to pass, and I'm going to get in the way. And if I'm interrupting it, it's really about me, not about him. And I'm not bringing him glory, right? I'm just being fleshly, trying to get what I want, when I want it, how I want it. Amen? It takes the weight off a little bit. It takes some of the frustration off. Okay? Your will be done here on earth as it is in heaven. Okay, I made this little diagram. I was all proud of myself. (laughs) Isn't that fun? (laughs) So we are talking about the kingdom of God working within you. And I just thought this was the cutest little picture. So you see the little person diagram there is shadow black, right? Because the sinful nature, okay? And then you got a man on the inside of you. Oh, what? Yes, you do. You got a man on the inside of you. His name is Yeshua Hamashiach. And he may look little there, but he's not little. That's just the measure you've given him in your life initially when we first get saved, okay? So you got this new man on the inside of you, but he hasn't been worked out yet. Okay? So the kingdom of God within you is working its way out. And it's okay to be where you are, but cooperate as much as you can with Holy Spirit so that the kingdom of God can work its way out of you. It'll work its way out in what you think, how you think, what kind of thoughts you allow in your mind. Do they align here? It'll work its way out in what you feel. Okay? You see the cute little pink heart there? Yeah. Okay? What you feel. 
It'll work its way out in what you do. You see the arrows pointing to the hands there? What you do. How you give, how you love, how you serve. It'll work its way out in where you go. You see the little arrows by his feet there? Okay? It determines where those feet trod, what doors you go through, what doors you don't dare go through. And sometimes they're good doors and they're God doors and God will let your friends go through them, but he said no to you because he has a different purpose for you, a different plan. He's got a different atmosphere. He wants you to be bringing into his kingdom order and calling his kingdom into Okay, we can't always be warring together, and that's so hard because, man, we like food, fellowship, and fun. Amen. I'm just saying. Sundays are my favorite days. I love being with my church family. I love you guys so much. There's nothing like running with people who love Jesus the way you love them. Best feeling in the world. But we can't always go together. But we always have someone with us when we go. You got a man on the inside. You're never alone. And not only that, but you've got angels that go with you. And you've got a great cloud of witnesses that's all around you, cheering you on. It says they're with great expectation, cheering on the sons of God. Like they're watching you, waiting to see. Now imagine that they just stand there and think, let's see what Jackie's going to do today. Let's see what Cammie's going to do. Oh, my gosh, that guy beeped at her. He's swearing. Let's see what her dad's going to do. Ooh, did you see that? He just brought the kingdom. The enemy got squished, right? Because they can see everything. They can see the first heaven. They can see the second heaven. And they're already well acquainted and intimately acquainted with the third heaven. So they've got a different perspective than we have. And then the kingdom of God is within you working its way out in who you run with. Okay? And this was something else God showed me about where I'd made some mistakes. I'm a really nice person most of the time. (laughs) Okay, let's just be honest. Donna's laughing. She knows me. (laughs) But I'm learning sometimes when I'm going into certain assignments, I cannot bring certain people with me because if I allow them to be yoked with me, they're actually going to get hurt because I run so much faster than they do. And the assignment that I'm going into actually calls for me to run fast, and if they can't keep up, they're going to get hurt. Right? Have you ever been there where you wanted to run with someone, but you know they were way faster than you ever said you couldn't go? Yeah, me too. But it's really important sometimes that we, we, it's always important that we say, Father, where do you want me? That feet piece, where you go, is so important. Some things look exciting, and they look like that's where I want to be, that's what I want to be doing, but you're better off being exactly where God wants you so that you don't get hurt. And so you're not dragging the ox or the person next to you back so they can't do and be who God called them to do and be. Amen? Yeah, so that was a interesting lesson this year all that to say the kingdom of God is within you and he Jesus is working his way out here's my other diagram what bam Holly sent me a meme (laughs) a new meme it's my new favorite meme I don't know what movie what movie is it from Oh, my goodness. It's this chick. She's dressed all cute, and there's a car behind her, and it says boom on the bottom, and she basically walks out and just goes like this. Boom. And the car blows up behind her. I was like, yeah. I'm like, I love that. That's my new favorite meme. It's kind of like a drop the mic moment. I love it. I'm like, yeah. You know when you hit something on the target, you're just like, boom. And that feels so good, right? So that's kind of what I thought of when I thought of this. Christ in you, the hope of glory. The kingdom of God is working its way out in you. And the more you allow Christ in you to work his way out into your members, it says, it talks about um, 
praying for Christ to be awakened in, the me- in your members, your literal members of your body, right? It says, work out your salvation with fear and trembling, right? Why would you have to work it out? Well, because he's there, but we're in the way of him being able to go through, amen? You can still see the little pink heart there, but this individual now looks like Jesus, right? There's more Jesus than there is of the individual. Isn't that beautiful? Don't y'all want to be... Don't y'all want to be like Jesus? Yes, I do. Yes, I do. Don't y'all want to be like Jesus? Yes, I do. Yes, I do. Don't y'all want to be like Jesus? Yes, I do. Yes, I do. Don't y'all want to be like Jesus? Yes, I do. Yes, I do. Amen. Right? I don't know where that came from. I just couldn't not say it. (laughs) I love it. Jake's got the pom-poms in the back there. Yes, I receive that encouragement in the Lord in Jesus' name. Yes, 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 yes. I wanted to read this verse to you, and then we're going to do an activation. Okay, and this is out of the Passion Translation. If you haven't purchased the Passion Translation, it's beautiful. Um, Timothy's done a beautiful job with that. Um, Fortunately, I think it's just Psalms in the New Testament right now. We don't have the entire Old Testament, so I'm waiting for the full one. Is Isaiah done now? Okay. But look for that online, the Passion Translation. But listen to this, talking about mature sons and daughters. If you're wondering what we're doing here, if you're wondering why we exist as the church, why you exist, why God made you a new creation, it's so that you could disciple nations. Going, baptizing them in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything that he has taught us. In order to disciple nations, we have to master what we discussed earlier. We have to know who we are. We have to understand our identity. We have to understand that we're operating from that place of the third heaven and the finished work of Jesus Christ and take ground for the kingdom everywhere we go. And that happens by ministering to people. That happens by doing spiritual warfare. That happens by praying. That happens by reading the word. Happens by participating with God in whatever it is he's telling you to do. It can happen by opening a news station. How many people know we need some new news stations? I'm just saying. Amen. Okay? There's seven spheres of influence, and it doesn't matter where God calls you or what he made you to do. You are here to change the world. You are here to bring his kingdom, and you have everything you need to do it. So the goal is to become mature. Okay? In Romans 8, 14 through 23, in the Passion Translation, it says this. The mature children of God are those who are moved by the impulses of the Holy Spirit. And you did not receive the spirit of, quote, religious duty, leading you back into fear of never being good enough. But you have received the spirit of, quote, full acceptance enfolding you into a family of God. And you will never feel orphaned. For he rises up within us, in our spirits. And our spirits join him in saying the words of tender affection, Beloved Father. For Holy Spirit makes God's fatherhood real to us as he whispers to our inmost being, You are God's beloved child. And since we are his true children, we qualify to share in all of his treasures. 
For indeed, we are heirs of God himself. Amen. Turn to your neighbor and say, I am loaded. (laughs) I am rich in every way. Yes, you are. You are rich in relationship. You are rich in love. You are rich in wisdom. You are rich in understanding. You are rich in supernatural power. You are rich in health. You are rich in grace. You are rich in authority. You are rich in relationship. Amen? It goes on and it says, For indeed we are heirs of God himself, and since we are joined to Christ, we also inherit all that he is, and all that he has. Amen. Come on. Doesn't that say something about all heaven and earth has been given to him? Ooh, I'm rich. Listen, I'm just saying. That gets me excited. We will experience being co-glorified with him and provided that we accept his sufferings as our own. Mm-mm-mm. That's powerful. We will experience being co-glorified with him, provided that we accept his sufferings as as our own. With every opportunity comes opposition, right? Think about that for just a second. He says, humble yourself under the mighty head of God that in due time he may what? He may lift you up. So if we're willing to humble ourselves, if we're willing to suffer with him, there is a glorification that comes in some measure when he vindicates us. Amen? And rightly so. That's God's way. I am convinced that any suffering we endure is less than nothing compared to the magnitude of the glory that is about to be unveiled within us. Amen. The entire universe is standing on tiptoe, yearning to see the unveiling of the glorious sons and daughters of God. Those of you, the sound of my voice, those of you sitting here right in this room, for with eager expectation, it says, all creation longs for freedom from its slavery to decay and to experience with us the wonderful freedom of coming to God's children. Because we're carriers of the kingdom, and everywhere we go, we bring the kingdom, and they want to be liberated. That's why they're drawn to you. That's why people are drawn to you. They want to be liberated. And I think it's interesting, and I don't know if this revelation has come completely yet, but it says creation longs to be liberated. What is that, Lord? Okay. I got more to learn. To this day, we are aware of the universal agony and groaning of creation as if we were in the contractions of labor for childbirth. We've seen the fires. We've seen the tsunamis, right? We've seen the tornadoes. We've seen the earthquakes, amen? And it's not just creation. We who have already experienced the first fruits of the Spirit also inwardly groan. Anybody groan once in a while? Mm, 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 mm as we passionately long to experience our full status as God's sons and daughters, including our physical bodies being transformed. Lord Jesus knows I'm waiting for this physical body to be transformed. Can I get a witness? Thank you very much. So we talk a lot here about activation, okay? I want to get these in order here so I can do this properly. Activation is the process of making something active or operative in your life. 
Okay? That's what activation is. Okay? It's really important that we don't leave here with just knowledge. Okay? Revelation brings responsibility. Knowledge in and of itself puffs us up and makes us proud. But love, what? Edifies. Okay? So every time we learn something, it's really important. We just don't get head knowledge, but that we activate that knowledge and revelation in our lives in some way, shape, or form so we don't just keep getting bigger heads and becoming more and more prideful, but that love can work, do its work in us and edify us, okay? Making us look more like Christ, okay? So that revelation brings responsibility. Now, I don't know if you know this, but the spiritual gifts can be taught, caught, and activated, okay? They can be taught. That's what we're doing today. I'm teaching, all right? We're talking about the word. We're line by line, precept by precept, explaining some things, talking about the original language. But they can also be caught. You can go to an event. Like we went to the Toronto Revival. I think it was, what, the 24th anniversary or something? 25th? Okay, 25th anniversary. And there was a word about an impartation that was coming to the people who went. And I caught something there. I didn't used to just fall out laughing and stuff like that, but I can't stop sometimes. We've been doing these throne room gatherings, and sometimes the joy of the Lord will hit me, and I'm like, Jesus, please, no. Please, I just want to get one full song out, right? But the joy of the Lord is our strength, and Daddy knows we're in a season where I need some strength, right? Where you need some strength. So that was things can be caught, or they can be activated by faith, and that's what we're going to do today. We're going to activate it by faith. We're going to go up into that third heaven place because we're one with Christ. We're seated there. We're going to have a conversation with Holy Spirit. We're going to ask him what he wants to activate in our lives, and we're just going to do what he says. And it's different for everybody in the room, and that's okay. You just need to go to the next place he wants you to go for you because he knows who he created you to be and where he's got you going next. So he's got something different than you than he might have for me. Amen? You okay with that? All right, so this is the process, okay? We talk about this a lot, too. Revelation can come through all five senses. You can smell something. You could taste something in your mouth. You could sense something, like kind of a knowing, right? You could feel hot or cold on your hands, okay? It comes through all five senses. Taste, smell, touch. What are the other ones? Hearing, thank you. You can hear something or you can see something, okay? Okay. So you could hear something audibly, like be reminded of a verse, or you could even hear something like it comes in your mind. It doesn't even necessarily have to be audible, right? Or you could have your eyes closed or open and see some kind of a picture, okay? Those are all the ways he does it. Now, when the revelation comes from Holy Spirit, as we activate here, you need to know that interpretation is key. Okay? When you see, smell, whatever, hear something, don't assume. Okay, you know what they say, assuming makes a donkey out of you and me. Yes, it does. Never works out well, okay? God knows all things. We might as well ask him for the interpretation along with the revelation he already gave us, okay? Because we want to rightly appropriate it to save us time. Who does not like going around the mountain? Me neither. I want the straightest path, okay? Thank you. Yeah, yeah, straightest path. So we ask, we don't assume. And application, okay, so interpretation is key and application is key. So Holy Spirit gives us the revelation, shows us something through one of our five senses. We ask what this means. We get the interpretation of it. That's very important. And then we don't assume how we're going to apply with it. Okay, now I know what this is and what it means, but what do you want me to do with that? Maybe he wants you to pray. Maybe he wants you to cluck like a chicken. I don't know. <laughs> I will come over and ask you what you're doing and what Jesus is saying through you. Don't take it personal. 
But whatever he asks you to do, you need to know two things. Number one, we love you. And number two, there's freedom in the house. And number three, when you obey him, you will be forever changed. Okay? Amen. All right. So um, let's see. We're going to go to the last slide here. There we go. I want you to close your eyes and put your hands facing upward. I want you to remember the chart. We're going into the third heaven. Where are you seated? You're seated in the third heaven. Amen? Okay. And just repeat after me. Say, Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come and your will be done here on earth as it is in heaven. Now say, Holy Spirit, show me right now where you want me to bring your kingdom in my life. Okay, and I want you to listen. I want you to watch and wait. And don't brush off something. If it comes first, always take the first thing, okay? Sometimes it seems minute or small. That doesn't seem very big. You just take the first thing that comes. Okay? If you got it, say, I got it. If you need more time, say, I need more time. Okay. Holy Spirit, where do you want me to bring your kingdom here on earth as it is in heaven. Once he shows you where that is, say, what do you want me to do? either show you something or tell you something. What do you want me to do? Then I want you to ask him, what do I need to be able to do that? What do I need from you to be able to do that? What promise do I need to hold on to to be able to walk in that? And is there anything, Holy Spirit, standing in the way that has stopped me from doing this? Is there anything in me that needs to be healed that has been stopping me from doing this? And if he shows you something, just ask Holy Spirit. And I invite you to come and fill that place in him. I invite you to come and fill that place in him.
When you're good, just go ahead and put your fingers on your app and open up your eyes and know that you're ready. Take a few little moments to recover that. Thank you for your patience as we wait for everybody. That's love, right? That's love. Well done, guys. Okay. All right, I'm going to take some testimonies. Is there anybody brave enough to share what Daddy showed you? Come on, come on up. You got something? Come on, come on. Go, come on, come on. I'm not coming to you. Come up here, baby. Okay, all I saw was a picture of the Capitol. <laughs> Be still and to listen. And, you know, my mind's already thinking, well, I wonder what that was. And <laughs> I wonder what, but he's like, Be still and listen. Can we thank God for Laura being brave? Put your hands together. Awesome. Okay. So we, that's okay, right? Yeah, sometimes we just need to be still and listen. That's awesome, Laura. Yeah, beautiful. Beautiful. Somebody else. Come on up here. Come on. And we do this testimony piece because it doesn't encourage you to hear what other people are hearing. Yeah, that's beautiful. Um, the first time that I closed my eyes, God showed me the picture of the flower again. Um, he actually dealt with me last night <laughs> about this very thing. Um, but last night he showed me a flower and how he wanted me to, he went really in depth, but just now it was like, I remember the flower and I was like, no, it can't be the flower. <laughs> be something else. Um, and then, um, I'm like, okay. And then I'm like, okay, so if it's the flower, what am I supposed to do with this flower? Um, am I supposed to water the flower? Am I supposed to be sunlight? Am I supposed to be light towards the flower? And he was like, um, as like while I was asking the question, he like interrupted my thought process <laughs> and said light. And then when I was about to come up, the um, there was like a a fire by night thing, <laughs> and we were asked like different things about our um, what God showed us in our godly imagination, and it was so funny because God showed me that um, I was to be like a light, like a light being from a lighthouse, and it just. It resonated. Yeah, let's thank God for Lear's courage, right? So he's, he's telling us to be still and watch, right? Laura's got this governmental anointing on her, and he's, he's encouraging Lear and saying, I just want you to shine your light. Let it out, right? Let it shine around. That's beautiful. Anybody else? One or two more. We can take one or two more. Somebody else. Anybody feeling brave? No? All right. Well. Come on, Cammy's feeling brave. Come on, baby. That's my girl. <coughs> yeah, give her a hand. That's my offspring. I wasn't sleeping. I was awake. I was just with Jesus. <laughs> <laughs> just want to say that. Um, I This sounds goofy, but 
I <laughs> when I asked him, I heard the word order. And so, um, and I've been hearing that verse recently, like, everything must submit and work in honor and order and humble submission to God. And I just had a picture of my room, which if you've been in there recently, it's not in order. Um, <laughs> but just in general, like, my life, like, just getting certain, yeah, it looks like in a tornado. Um, we're not in Kansas anymore. Um, <laughs> but so... It just like getting things in order in my life so that I have time for him um, so that I can schedule things and I won't be stressed out in my time for him. Um, so, yeah, that's exciting. Yeah, put your hands together. Come on. That's awesome. That's awesome. All right, do we have one more? Yeah, come on, Donna. Thank you, Donna. Jackie's shaking her head. No, do not call on me. What's making you so nervous, Jackie? What did God say, Jackie? No, come on, Donna. I'm teasing. I'm just messing with her. Come on, Donna. Come on, baby. I'm just messing with her. I got to give her her time. That's my spiritual daughter right there. Well, I was kind of surprised what mine was, so, but then I'm not. Um, my, mine was my family. Um, I, my family's going through a lot of stuff. We lost my brother-in-law this year. He's the same age I am, of cancer. And um, he was taken really quick, and... I don't know, it just brought up a lot of stuff in the family. You know, I thought it would be more healing, but it <laughs> it hasn't, because I think COVID's in the middle of it, it's brought up just a lot of stuff. And um, I felt like the Lord was saying that he wanted me to pray for them more. Um, that, um, that I'm not... You know, I, I just need to be more prepared in prayer when I go to see them. And um, that he has, he, he knows their, you know, their spiritual status, and he knows there's things that need to be shifted out. Because, I mean, they experienced a lot of the same stuff I did, so they need some healing. Some of them are more evident than others, but, I mean, I have seven children in my family. So there's been a lot of damage. So um, so that's what he was just saying to me, that I need to spend more time praying over them and just being um, in their presence, more of a, just a loving presence instead of just having anything to say, you know? So I get it. Amen. Can we thank God for Donna? That was brave, right? Actually, I'm going to have you stay right here in the front, Donna, if you will. Cammie and Lyra. Who was my other brave person? Laura, you were... Oh, wait, Holly wants to go, too. Come on. All the people that talked, though, you come stand up here in the front. Yeah, that's all right. Cammie, come up here. Laura, come up here. Y'all are about to get blessed for just being brave. All right. Mine was my heart. And it seems a bit selfish, but at the same time, it's really not, because I've had to go through a lot of healing for a lot of years. And I'm coming to the place where I can be uninhibited and be fully me, fully Christ in me. And it's taken a lot. And I'm stepping into that place. And my heart is to bring the kingdom to so many people who have hurt. Because I've been in so many places of that hurt. And so that's where the kingdom needs to really come fully alive, is right here first. So that I can bring it forth for others. Yeah. Amen. Oh, you're going to make me cry. <laughs> All right, y'all. I want everybody else to come up and line up here. You're going to ask Holy Spirit for word. Come on. Yeah, don't be slow. We got to let everybody go. 
Come on, come on, come on, come on, come on. We're going to bless th these ones that were so brave, okay? Come and make a line back here behind Jackie. And what I want you to do is I want you to ask Holy Spirit for one sentence or two sentences that he wants to say to each one of these ladies, okay? And then I just want you to share it with them. It could be a verse. It can just be a prophetic word. It can be anything. Yep, come on now. Come on now. Come on, Leilani. Nice try. Come on, Jalen. Even if you see a picture, it's okay. Come on. Come on, Alan. Come on, Matt. All right? And we're going to bless them because this is actually a picture of what happens when we step out in faith. Okay, God honors, God blesses, you get co-glorified with him, okay? So y'all are going to get a double impartation, all right? Say, I receive it. Listen, there's no shame in that game. All right, come on, Jack-Jack, whenever you're ready, baby girl, you go first. You're great to open up that, break open that prophetic realm. And Matt, if you want to put a little bit of music on, that'd be awesome. And then it'll be a little bit more private.